I'm excited to have Aubrey Nesman here as my guest today. Aubrey is a financial planner. She's the owner of Nesman and Associates with Ameriprise Financial Services. Today we're going to talk about all kinds of different life transitions and how you can prepare for those transitions. Of course there are transitions that we plan for in life and we welcome those transitions and then there are the transitions that happen that no one saw coming. With a good financial plan you can be well prepared and learn better how to navigate those circumstances. Welcome, Aubrey. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Today, um, I want to talk about the, the transitions that people plan for. What do you see in your practice as some of those, you know, those, those welcome transitions? Your first job out of college, your first marriage, baby, um, then moving on into career changes as well as retirement and transitioning into the next phase of your adult life. How can working with a financial planner help you prepare to navigate those transitions? I look at myself as the GPS for my clients, right? So they are the drivers and I am the GPS system telling them, here's all the places that we can go you set the core, you set the address, and then I'll set the course. We'll work together to get there, and there's a hundred different ways to do something. Let's find the most efficient path to do that and make sure that you're hitting the goals that you've set for yourself. One of the things that I've seen in my practice is um, it's common that one spouse in a marriage um, sort of takes the back seat, so to speak, sure. right, on this journey. Um, and they don't, they don't really engage and aren't as involved in the financial planning process. Do you see that? And, and if so, how do you encourage that spouse to be an active participant in the process? I think that there's always going to be one person that's going to be more of the driver on whatever journey they're taking, right? Financially, especially. You have to have both of the people engaged because both of them are taking the journey together. So you want to engage that other client, make sure that their needs are being met, their wants are being met, and they understand the process. They may not be the driver. They may sit in the passenger seat. They may be in the back seat, right? But they're still on the journey and they're still being inputting on that journey, right? You're still telling people to stop at Bucky's, right? <laughs> right? So you wanna make sure that both clients are engaged and maybe that doesn't mean every single meeting, both people have to be there, right? Because the priorities are different. But at least once or twice a year, we come together as an entire unit and meet and figure out that we are on the same path and make sure that we are continuing on and that we haven't had any detours. One of the things um, I think that can hold people back from working with a financial planner is just feeling overwhelmed and feeling uh, maybe like they don't know enough to ask the right questions and they're self-conscious, they don't want to sound stupid. Um, what, do you, how, what do you tell people? How do you, how do you keep them enrolled? I have a very open dialogue with my clients and there are no stupid questions, right? Everybody is going to look at this in a different way and everyone is going to have an individual experience rather than a collective, right? So when you get advice from a mass 
media situation, you're not, that doesn't necessarily tailor to your needs, right? So you're going to want to ask those questions that are important to you. That's one of the big questions that I ask my clients. What is important to you? What do you want from this? Education is a huge foundation and making sure that my clients understand here are all of the things that we have to choose from and here's why I'm leaning towards this one as the best choice for you. These are all of the reasons why that is. Here are the pros and here are the cons. Now you make the decision. Do you Are you in agreement with me or do you feel like maybe this one would be better? And let's have a dialogue as to why that is so that it really is a journey together instead of, me taking over and just saying, this is what we're going to do, and you're just going to like it, and we'll get where you're needing to go. One of the things that occurs to me as we as we go along with this metaphor of the car ride is that, um, you know, people come to this car ride with a lot of baggage. Oh, right? Absolutely. So you grew up with certain ideas and values about money. Maybe that's changed in your career, um, but it's not uncommon for people to partner with somebody who has completely different right. baggage around financials, right. right? Do you find yourself being in the role of a mediator sometimes? Oh, I'm... Definitely a psychologist some days, <laughs> right? Um, you've got a spender and you've got a saver in every relationship. And both of those can be tempered. You can't do anything to the extreme or to the exclusivity of the other, right? So you have to make sure that it is an understandable journey, right? You've come in with these ideas. I personally am... I would argue that I'm more of the saver because I do it in a more deliberate way and I set it up and I understand how I need things to be done. I need it to be on a line item basically that I check off instead of having just, oh, I've got this much cash left over, we'll put it over here, right? I need to have a specific objective to it. My husband does not, right? <laughs> he can do that. He has the capacity to say, we've got this much left over. We'll just move it to the side. So we have to understand how we work. And I have a financial advisor because I wouldn't do my financial advice, right? I wouldn't take, I need somebody to tell me, Aubrey, you need to do this. Here's what we're working towards and here's how we're going to get there. It's just like the plumber, right? The plumber always has the worst pipes because he, that's, he's the last person to take care of. He takes care of everybody else first. And so I have a financial advisor and make sure that I'm following that same advice that I'm dispensing and I'm doing it in a very thoughtful way that is not an afterthought. Well, I think it's helpful to have um, a professional who's advising you. Absolutely. Who, and they have a completely different perspective. It's sort of like air the traffic control, right? Like yeah. they can see all the airplanes coming in and out, and it can really help protect you. Um, one of the things that I think is uh, is so important 
and what we're all experiencing these days is just the unpredictable, right? Sure. And so, I mean, nobody saw the pandemic coming. Nobody had that preparation uh, on their checklist, you know, back in 2019. But what we've learned is that, you know, we, we have to pivot and we have to make changes. Um, what are some of the life transitions that you experience with your clients that weren't necessarily on their radar that they didn't see coming? So um, I have clients who've passed away suddenly. Um, you don't expect that to happen, right? You plan for it. There's an objective in the event of this happening, we have an idea of what, how we're gonna navigate that, right? But you don't, um, you don't plan for the grief. You don't plan for the shock and the survival mode that just totally kicks in, right? And so having an advisor and having that conversation prior to a life event like that then you're going to be in a better situation to be able to have that peace of mind and to be able to take that deep breath and say, we're gonna be okay, we're gonna get through this, we've got to wait and make sure that we're making the right decisions and that we're implementing the plan. And by the way, that plan can change midstream. Right. Right. That's that's the beauty of a financial plan is the flexibility of it. You have your general ideas and what you're wanting to do, but you also know that if you take a detour, if you jump off, you can get back on. And that's one of the things I think, um, again, working with professional can be so helpful because while I may not be planning for X, Y, or Z to happen, whether that's a sudden death or a divorce or a job loss or, you know, any of those kinds of transitions, um, you've been down that road before with sure. other clients. What is, um, what have you seen? I mean, how have you seen ways in which a plan, it was really able to help? Uh, family. So uh, going back to that client uh, who unexpectedly died, 40 years old. Oh my gosh. Uh, 11 and 12 year old kids and just out of nowhere, right? And so we had had a plan in place about what to do in the event of this. I have conversations with my clients, the both partners and say to the one, what do you want to happen in the event of your passing? Mm -hmm. How do you want everybody to handle that financially, emotionally, right? And then have that same question to the other partner. It's not necessarily the same answer, right? My, what I want for myself may be very different than what I would want for my husband to happen, right? But what the most important thing I think is to have that time and to have that ability to say, I don't have to decide what to do about the house. I don't have to decide how to, if I need to go back to work right now, or if I need to say I have a very demanding job that requires a lot of my time. Now I need to figure out all of the things that my partner was doing to help offset that, right? Now I need to be emotionally available as well as physically available. Does that mean that I'm going to take a lesser role in my current job, my current company? Does that mean I take a leave of absence, right? And having the ability to make those decisions when you don't want to upset 
everything because you've had such a shock to the core, right? So I'd say that that plan has gives you that peace of mind, but it also gives you time. And that's, I think, the most important thing to have when you have a really significant event like a death. Right. And that time just gives you uh, opportunity to reevaluate your goals, right? And to create new goals and to make decisions that aren't made in a moment of grief. I think that that's so important. Absolutely. We were talking about it. It, you know, it takes about a year to work yeah. through a grief process, sometimes mm -hmm. longer, sometimes a little less. And that's a grief process, whether it's a death or a divorce. I mean, I know in Absolutely. my, in my world, I deal with a lot of people who didn't see the divorce coming. And for them, it, it is as blindsiding as a sudden death might be. Well, and it can be just as devastating, right? I mean, you really are being impacted financially as well as still making all those same decisions as if you had the death, but it continues on, right? <laughs> you don't have the finality of it that you do with a death. And so I think that in a lot of ways, a divorce is more impactful from a financial and an emotional state than a death would be. Right. If only there were divorce insurance. <laughs> Let's get some of that. Um, but anyway, I think I think it's just, you know, it's a really good point that, you know, things happen in life. And, and something we were just talking about that's happening a lot right now are major career transitions. Sure. Um, talk a little bit about that. So uh, companies are offering packages, right? Saying, look, we, it's more viable for us to let you go. And here's the severance on that. And if it's something that you're not expecting and you're not hoping for, right? Then it can completely turn your world upside down, right? Now you have to worry about your health care. How does, how do I transition that? Where am I gonna be doing the COBRA that the company offers me. What do I do after that? Because Medicare doesn't uh, start until 65, right? And so now you may have a gap of insurance and you'll have to self-insure. And what are the costs of that? And what are the ramifications of that, right? Medicare has a look back time frame on your earned income. So if you have a big severance package that comes in two years before that, your premiums are gonna be higher. How do you offset that and make sure that you're planning for that? Because then it's a two-year look back, but then it's a two-year look back from the IRS to get that adjusted as well, right? So now you're constantly having to make sure that you're staying within these levels in order to be able to keep your premiums at a manageable and affordable level. How do you do that without compromising your care? I think this conversation just drives home the importance <laughs> of having somebody who is up to date on um, the IRS you yes. know, codes and uh, making sure that, you know, all of those things are being tended to. And, and that's the advantage of working with a financial planner <clears throat> is that's your job, Absolutely. right? Right. And it's not my job. So um, I think that that's incredible what you can bring to the table when you're, when you're working with families. Um, you know, a lot of people think that in order to work with a financial planner, I need to come to the table with lots of money Absolutely. ready to yeah. invest. Um, is that a myth? Absolutely. I would absolutely agree with that myth. Um, you don't have to, what has to happen to be working with a financial advisor is to be advised receptive. 
right? Okay. <laughs> so you need to be putting yourself in a position to understand that you're asking for help and you're going to receive those recommendations and implement them to some degree, right? So I have a multi-generational practice where I work with the adult children, the parents, and then the kids that are starting their first job and that are starting their life, right? They're getting married, they're changing careers. It, it's not an asset level, it's an interest level. I love that, I think that that's so important. And really, you know, good financial planning is something that we should all have an interest in Absolutely. because it can make a huge difference. One of the things we were talking about that I thought was really interesting is the um, idea, a lot of employers offer life insurance mm -hmm. through their, uh, as a benefit. And, and we were just talking earlier about um, how oftentimes they don't do the underwriting before they insure you. They wait and do the underwriting when there's Upon an Upon death. That's correct. And it could be that, that you don't end up qualifying. So, or there's a significant delay. Right. And you were saying it could take six to seven months. Mm -hmm. What do you recommend people do with regard to life insurance? So your company more than likely offers you some kind of a time salary option, right? So one to two time salary, which is the standard that they offer. And then you can off, um, elect to have supplemental insurance on top of that. Depending on your health, your age, and then the demographics of your company, that may be a really good deal or a really bad deal. And so having individual insurance allows you to always have that insurance, no matter what they're doing with your job and no matter what benefits they're offering, it's completely transferable. It stays with you, right? It's also tied to your health. And so you're only paying for what you are receiving and you are underwritten for. The underwriting process happens beforehand. And so with insurance, you can make three decisions. You choose the terms and conditions, the death benefit, and then the payment, right? The premium. So I prefer, you can choose two out of those three. And the choices that I wanna make on those or I want to know what I'm going to get in the event of me qualifying for this or my spouse, whoever my beneficiary may be, right? And I want to know under what conditions they receive that. So I want those terms and conditions and I want the uh, death benefit amount. Then the insurance company is going to choose the premium based on those two decisions that I've made. So. I can choose to then once they tell me that premium, I can say, mm, it's a little steep. Let's reroute this a little bit mm -hmm. or great, let's do this, right? And I know what happens in that event. So with uh, an employer policy on this supplemental part, they, you will sign a attestation stating, I don't have any conditions or I do, and these are what they are. In the event of you passing away, they start the underwriting process at that time. They're going to go through and look through that attestation. Did you fudge this information at all, right? They're pulling your medical records, they're doing all of that. Doctors are not very responsive to medical record. They're just not. 
because of the HIPAA uh, impacts of that, but also because they're not the ones that are in charge of that, right? They usually have a billing company or a record keeping company that's doing that. So now you're on a third party situation. Now that's going to extend the time frame that everything takes to go through the process. So you don't have that luxury of time. You're waiting. So I may, I may have thought that, oh, because I've got this policy through my employer, if something were to happen, my family would be taken care of. But what I've learned from you is that that may not necessarily be the case. Right. It, could be, it could be eventually they are taken care of, but it could be six to seven months um, before they get there. And that's a six to seven months of grief of six to seven months when major life changes have to be considered and um, not, not the best situation right. where a private life insurance can really afford more time. Right. And you're having, you're, you have that <clears throat> loss of income or if say it's a non-working spouse that has died, right? Now you have to supplement the time and the talent that that non-working spouse has been putting forth. And oftentimes, if there is a non-working spouse, the working spouse really has no idea what goes on in a typical logistics with that. And so and, and that's running the children around all the activities and, yes. and being the stay-at-home parent to take care of all of the tend to all of the household needs. Um, I agree. I think I think, you know, until that role is no longer available, we don't really know the value of that Absolutely. role. Absolutely. Um, that's really interesting. All right. One last question I want to throw at you. Yeah. Um, since I just turned 50, <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about long-term care insurance. Okay. How does, how is that working? I think it's changed a lot since it was first introduced, you know, maybe 30 years ago or so. It has. And, um, and are, you know, are there private insurance policies people are getting for long-term yeah. care or, or just, you know, what's going on in the world of long-term care? So there's different ways that you can approach long-term care insurance, right? All of them work the same in that in order to qualify, you have to be unable to complete two of the six daily activities, right? So you think about those daily activities as when you wake up in the morning, the first thing you do is you get out of bed. Then you go to the bathroom, take a shower, you get dressed, you go make dinner or make breakfast, I guess, and then you sit down and eat it. Right? If two of those are missing and your physician signs off on that, you will qualify for that long-term care insurance. Now, long-term care insurance can be divided up into different ways. So you can have a traditional policy, which is a reimbursement policy. What you do with that is you pay that premium until you have a qualifying event. Then you have a waiver of premium after a certain period of time and you can adjust that time to fit your schedule. Then you will start having that care paid for in a reimbursement uh, option. So you incur the cost, you submit the receipts, the receipts are reviewed, and then you're reimbursed. Much like a flex spending account with your health benefits or a dependent daycare option, again, with health benefit, I mean, with your uh, employer benefits. It's taxing on one person to do that, right? Because more than likely, if you're the person that has had the qualifying event, 
you're not the person that's keeping track of the reimbursement expenses, okay? So it's imperative that you have someone that you trust handling that. There's also certain restrictions on how that can be allocated, right? So it has to go for specific care needs under a licensed perspective. You have to have specific um, products that are used and things like that, right? Then you can have another kind of a policy that's a hybrid policy, that's life insurance with a long-term care rider. So you have a life insurance policy that in the event of you dying, great. We don't have to worry about long-term care. We've made that very clear, right? Or you have it with the long-term, you have a long-term care event. Your life insurance death benefit is reduced by the amount of long-term care that you use, right? So it's not a use it or lose it policy per se, which makes a lot of people much more comfortable, right? A lot of people say, well, if what if I don't need it? What if I don't need the long-term care policy? Now I've been paying into this for this long and I get nothing out of it, just like car insurance, right? Well, this is the benefit of, of a hybrid policy where you say, okay, I'm going to have a $500,000 policy, 450,000 of that can be used towards my long-term care, no matter what 50 grand is going to my beneficiaries, no matter what. That you also don't have as a reimbursement. So you can use that however you want to. You can go on a cruise, say, I'm unable to do these two of the six daily activities. I've had a terminal diagnosis and I want to just enjoy my life to the fullest while I can use it for that, right? You can hire someone to be your manager, your care manager, as it were, your navigator for your healthcare to hire the people, to make sure that the products that you're ordering are being utilized properly and you aren't being taken advantage of, right? That's a really helpful thing for people who don't have that spouse or that partner or that trusted person to be able to help them go through this process, right? You can also use that to pay for your, if you're living in a transitional facility where they have the independent living, then they move to assisted and then you move to a skilled nursing memory care kind of a situation. You can pay for that cost with that. Whereas with a traditional long-term care policy, that would not be available for the entire amount, okay? Very interesting. And then there's one more, and that's where you pay upfront. And you say, here's $100,000, that gives me $300,000 of care. I'll, it's a use it or lose it, but you can have that money back in two years, no matter what, if you don't use it, if you don't need the long-term care and you change your mind but it allows you that. That works just like a traditional long-term care policy in the reimbursement phase, but it also says, I'm not paying premiums for however, some indeterminate time frame that can be manipulated due to demand and cost, right? Your long-term care premiums are going to fluctuate. They're not fixed. They have the ability to go up. Um, and a lot of times people say, well, I don't want to I don't, I want to, I want to buy it earlier because I'm going to pay less, but that may or may not be the right choice given you're paying less, but you're paying for longer, 
right? And so at some point, there's a cost-benefit analysis there that it's not to your benefit. So having, I prefer the hybrid policy because you may or may not have that life insurance need, right? And you may or may not have that long-term care need, but you're covering both of those bases and you're giving yourself a lot of choice and flexibility in how that is utilized and what you're able to buy with that. Well, thank you, Aubrey. You have given us lots to think about today uh, as we journey on um, life's road. That's right. <laughs> Hopefully uh, getting to have some say in the destination where we end up. So I really appreciate your time and your insight. And we have um, information if you want to connect with Aubrey. Uh, we'll include her link down below. So hopefully you can uh, learn more about her and the services she offers. Well, thanks for having me.